What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he's Friday edition of the call up. It is September 30th and we've got another 20 top 100 prospects to run through here. We're going 80 to 61. Jack yesterday was long. Um, I think we'll be a little bit more efficient today, but probably not. Uh, but really excited. We're getting better and better as we know when we're going to count down, it's going to get to better prospects and we're probably in the second of a five part series here. Yeah, well, probably, I'd say surely. The question just is, like, how long is it going to be? 45 minutes or an hour 25? <laughs> and when we get to the hour 48 mark of this episode, we'll know that it's closer to the latter. Yes, and and then this might end up being a 10-part series. But, no, I, I think we'll, we'll be able to go 20 at a time. Uh, 80 to 61 is, is a fun group, too, because, you know, obviously – as we count down, it's better players. That's how it works when you have a top 100 list. But I think the 80 to 61 range is an interesting area because it's a lot of either newcomers. It's also some people that maybe have fallen as well as some that have you know jumped up from the back end of the top 100. So it's, it's this area where there's a lot of chaos, whereas you get to the top, it's a lot of the same names kind of shuffling around a little bit. But 100 to 80, a lot of new names. 80 to 61 is a mixture of everything. And I'm excited to dive into that. A hundred percent. And, you know, I I think when we get to the top 20, those are the names that the casual baseball fan knows. Like Francisco Alvarez is a a name that so many people know. And of course, he's making his major league debut today, uh, which is wild. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the week. Like, has he earned that? Is he ready to take on the Atlanta Braves? And the answer, I think, can be a combination of yes and no. Um, and, and I think it is a combination of yes and no. Yes, he's obviously it is really yes good. And no. yeah, it's yes it is. and no. Yeah, I think he's definitely 
earned whatever you know he's earned a promotion because of yeah. how good he's been but there are some very obvious concerns in his swing and concerns that you know look if he's just de-aging which i think he's probably going to do for the most part right i don't yeah. think he's catching much no uh, that, that'll be a focus but you know I, I the high spin fastball is killing him at the top of the zone which we'll talk about in that episode when we get more into it but i do i'm glad you brought him up just to quickly touch on it as a prospect podcast and we'd yeah. be remiss to not talk about uh the number two catching prospect in baseball and the number one for a lot of other people getting called up here but you know, like I think there's a great chance that if they put him in the right spots, you know, soft throwing lefties, righties that maybe don't have that riding fastball, he crushes a lot of other offerings and pretty much anything that's belt high and around that area, he's going to kill it. It's just that high spin fastball that he can't lay off. He's still working on that. He's 20. He's young. Uh, like I'm not putting him against Spencer Strider. He will get eaten alive. Well, good thing is they're not seeing Strider. They're, yeah, they're seeing hurt. Freed, Wright, and Charlie Morton. I, I think I'd most like to see him face Kyle Wright. Yes. Yes. I think, and he's a lot of sinkers. That's a guy that he should be able to handle. So it should be interesting. I'm excited to watch. I think he'll get his he'll, he'll run into some baseballs here and there, uh, but he's going to strike out. So I think you, you got to temper your expectations a little bit. Uh, and I'm very interested to see what they do in the postseason. He is postseason eligible. It's yeah. a very murky, not really concrete set of rules, but if you have enough injured players and there's a guy already in your organization, um, you can kind of have him be a, a designated replacement. The Mets would fit that mold with all the injuries that they have. Yes, 100%. Um, but yeah, what I was saying about Alvarez, just to like come full circle on that before we get into 80 to 61. Uh, you know, the top 20 prospects, and, and even when we talk 21 through 40, a lot of those guys are names that are known by the casual baseball fan. And, and I'm not talking like, you know, somebody's a Cubs fan. And, you know, they they watch the Cubs like it's not like they're necessarily going to know who Robert Hassel the third is, yeah. but they might say, oh, that's the guy in the Juan Soto deal mm-hmm. with 80 to 61 and with 100 to 81, which we talked about. A lot of these names are are people that the casual baseball fan have never heard of. So it's almost more enjoyable for yeah. us to talk about 80 through 61, because instead of just lauding the efforts of Ellie de la Cruz or Gabriel yeah. Moreno. Yeah. We're, we're sitting here saying, hey, there's this guy named Kyle Manzardo in the Rays system who we'll yeah. talk about today, who's one of the best hitters you've never heard of. And that's yeah. very enjoyable for us. A hundred percent. It's fun because it's also trying to make the case of why this guy might be that next mainstream prospect or yeah. why he might be somebody that makes a big league impact that you didn't expect. And Matt McClain is, is number 80. And, you know, I, I think he can kind of fit that mold of, you know, he's, he's a more popular – I would say popular name because he was a first round pick out of high school, turned it down, then went earlier in the first round after playing at UCLA. But at the same time, I think a lot of people out there don't know who Matt McClain is. And he's not going to do anything that jumps off the page, but he does so many things well. And we talked about it last episode, the guys in the back end of the top 100 that maybe don't have the highest ceilings, but it was like 50s across the board. Matt McClain is that with a with a 60 run. So he's like that example, but with a little bit more exciting tools. And I mean, McClain had a phenomenal season overall, a little bit more swing and miss than we w- would have wanted to see from the Reds shortstop prospect. But, you know, I, I think when you see the power that came with that, at least if he was whiffing and had no added power, I'd be like, oh, but he yeah. added the power. Now let's see if he can kind of find that middle ground. And I think that's why he's going to the fall league. We're getting into the defense and all the other things, but I'm, I'm kind of curious what are your thoughts on this year from Matt McClain? I think it's important to note that it is in a pretty aggressive assignment. What? How do you feel about the, the overall stat line and how he did? How does that 
impact your interpretation, maybe your perspective on Matt McClain? Yeah, so I, I honestly, it doesn't impact it that much because, yes, he's 22 years old. He's he's two years younger than the average hitter at the double-A level. But for me, it didn't feel like an aggressive assignment because of how advanced he already was. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if he spent this entire year in high-A or split the year between high-A and double, in the back of my mind, I would have been saying, I would be curious to know what would have happened if he spent the entire year in double. And, and I'd rather side with that knowing that he can handle it and still hit pretty well. Like if he was 600 OPS in double A this year, I'd say, okay, you know, maybe hindsight, we, we should have started him in Dayton. But I mean, this was an 816 OPS guy this year. Yeah, a little bit more swing and miss. He struck out a bit more than I was expecting yeah. him to. He walked a bit more than I was expecting yeah. him to. And honestly, the double numbers are very impressive. 21 doubles, 17 homers in Chattanooga. And he was 27 for 30 in the stolen base department, man. So I, I think this guy can do a whole bunch of everything. And I thought the double A was the perfect spot for him as a 22-year-old. Yeah, I, I was going to say, put simply, he, yes, he struck out more than we thought, but he also slugged a lot more than we thought, and he walked a lot more than he, we thought. So if you're going to strike out more, but you walk and slug more, I'm in. You know, okay. and it, it's weird because it doesn't fit the perceived profile, right? Yeah. The perceived profile is, you know, speedy, toolsy that can kind of play all over but does all the the fundamental things well and puts bat on ball uh but you know I I do think that part of it was the passiveness of Matt McClain where he swung at 36 percent of pitches this year very very low clip what's Soto swinging at like 34 yeah like something like that so I mean McClain was extremely passive and when you're passive in double a you're gonna get deep into counts and you're gonna get hosed on bad calls but also you know, you're just going to strike out more frequently. You leave yourself either open to bad calls or one bad swing and, you know, you're striking out. So I think approach wise, this is something that he's going to be able to figure out. I think he took a lot of good pitches to hit in some of the at-bats I was watching. I'm like, man, man that's center cut. Like, what are you doing yeah. here? And then other times where you know, I don't think he expanded the zone. So at least he had that going for him. But it was surprising to see how patient he was and almost like an overemphasis there we see George Valera do that but Valera does that because he has a specific zone that he's hunting and he has a lot of blue zones I don't think McLean has as many blue zones I think he can hedge that with I'm interested to see what he looks like in the Arizona Fall League and if he's more aggressive I'm not saying change who you are but be a little bit more aggressive here uh, his chase rates were still really low a 36% swing rate from a guy that is as fast as he is and that can chop one in the ground and beat it out I, I would like to see him be a tad more aggressive. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that he probably internally had this plan of attack to be more selective, mm-hmm. and he just stuck to it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he, it worked overall. I mean, he had a good yeah. year. So he had an eight sixteen OPS, like good in Double A as a guy that's you know ahead of trajectory. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that it worked, but I think that there's going to be a healthy dose of both. And, you know, good defender really was impressed with the stuff at shortstop that I watched. You talk about the stolen bases, 27 for 30. His power will tick up in in Cincinnati. Although we saw him hit 17 home runs this year, I think he'll be able to be a 20 home run guy. Could be a 20-20 threat in Cincinnati. Could play shortstop. Obviously, if Ellie De La Cruz displaces him there, I think he could really help the outfield situation because they don't have outfield prospects. And he could be your center fielder with the way he's been able to play all over. Played some center at UCLA. He's going to be a fan favorite, similar to Steer. Think steer with more athleticism. Uh, I think yeah. that's pretty exciting. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it's fun thinking that McLean, Steer, and Jonathan India are going to be in the same lineup. It's just consistency. 
as long as they're healthy, that's going to be a really fun balanced lineup. And then he mix in the big boppers like Ellie De La Cruz and, and some of the other guys that they might be able to have in the fold there. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Aristides Aquino. <laughs> yes. The best defender in baseball history, basically. In the outfit. <laughs> so we'll go to 79. Talk. <clears throat> this is kind of another one that, that gives me headaches. We, we talk about guys that prospects that give me headaches. Yeah. Luis Camposano, uh, San Diego Padres catching prospect, 79th overall here. Camposano is somebody that you look at where he's been up and down in the big leagues, minor leagues. We've talked about the aggressive assignments in the past, kind of getting rushed to the big leagues because the Padres had nobody else. Uh, but now he's played a full 162 games in AAA over the last two seasons, and he's been absolutely fantastic. Yes, hitter-friendly environment. I don't really care because you look at the swing, you look at his approach. He's, he's made some adjustments as well with his swing to find some more consistency. And I think he's looked pretty darn good overall. I mean, this is somebody that hits the crap out of the ball, has an above average field to hit, especially for a catcher, and really has all the tools that you would want. You know, there, there's a lot of things that I think are improving across his game. It was a peculiar decision to just not have him up earlier this season after rushing him in the past. But let me tell you, 81 games in 2021, 81 games in 2022 in AAA, which is perfect. It gives us a 162-game yes. sample size here. 29 home runs, a 296 batting average, uh, a 116 WRC+. plus. This guy is just steadily hitting also a sub-20% K rate. I know it's a hitter-friendly environment, but you can't really deny those numbers when you're when you're walking at an average clip, striking out less than 20%, hitting homers, and you know hitting for a high average. I still think this guy's going to be an above average catcher at the big league level. Yeah. I mean the, the overall, like you mentioned the 29 homers, you mentioned the 296 average. How about 36 doubles and 105 driven in too? Yeah. Like he was a run producer and he was an alley to alley guy, as well as putting balls over the fence and, you know, thin air El Paso. But um, yeah, I mean, Camposano, he's too good for triple a, but the question is how are you going to fare when you get up? And, you know, he walked 60 times in those 162 games in AAA. So far this year, across 14 games and 43 plate appearances, he's walked once yeah. with the San Diego Padres. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not saying walks to the end all be all. Like, it, it, but it, it shows you something it when, when a guy yeah, has some discipline. And I, I think that he gets up. I don't necessarily know if it's pressing, but I think he's trying to prove that he can be there by mashing because that's what he does in AAA. A absolutely. I think it's a great point. And, you know, he can mash, but not at the same level, right? Not at the same way. I will say the last four games or so, he's looked really good. Um, and, and I think that could be a sign of good things to come here. Three straight multi-hit games and then another one for four against the Dodgers the other day. So, uh, he looks like they're they're starting to roll with him a bit more frequently. He seems to be playing that kind of backup role still, pinch hitting here and there, but he seems to be more comfortable in there. Before it was like randomly throwing him out there, pinch hitting once a week when they forced him up there, and then all of a sudden a spot start. Seems like now they're pretty they were pretty focused on getting him at least to start every three days, every three yeah. games or so, and and that helps him kind of stay fresh and stay locked in. You know, I, I'm curious how the glove continues to to project uh but i think he has improved in a lot of ways i i believe i had it in the write-up where he he threw out a higher per yeah career best 36 percent of base stealers in triple a this season that's a great clip yeah. uh, and I, you know seeing improvement in that regard is awesome 
I like the swing tweaks. They seem to be starting to work at the big league level. So uh, this could be an above average catcher. The, the Padres need one for the foreseeable future. And, and I think this is still the, the catcher of the future for them. There were some maturity questions and things like that. Yeah. I haven't really heard anything and, and seen anything come up recently in regards to that. You know, we haven't seen any benchings or, you know, any, anything that would lend to believe that Camposano is not headed in the right direction in that regard. So, you know, as far as I know, that's not something I can really speak on. So I think he looks good. He's up in the big leagues. They obviously don't hate him at this point. And uh, he, he's a top 100 prospect. There's there's just no way around it. He's still pretty young, too. It, it's worth noting he's just turned 24 years old a day ago. So happy belated to Luis Camposano. <laughs> happy belated, Campy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't like how the Padres handled this situation. No. Um, I, I think that they have mishandled Luis Camposano's progression and that has hindered Luis Camposano. So Absolutely. Uh, I think if, if Camposano was in a different organization, he would be a much higher regarded prospect yep. and he wouldn't be a prospect anymore. I think no. he would have spent the entire year last year in triple. And I think this would have been his rookie season in earnest this year. I think that um, the Padres have been, especially over the last couple of years, notoriously bad at handling top prospect situations. Well, we saw them swap out farm directors and and we've seen them make a lot of moves in that regard. Last thing I'll say on Camposano is you, know, you remember, I mean, you saw him up close O'Neill Cruz when he felt like he should be in the big lakes, he goes to triple a and it, it was, it was a matter of effort at times a little bit. You got to give, we talk about maturity Camposano when he went back to triple a both times took care of business. And not only did he take care of business, he made swing adjustments. He was trying to make the improvements that he needed to make, both defensively and offensively. That's very important. I think a good indication that you know he's doing whatever it takes to get to the big league level, and you know not just pouting and saying, "Oh, I should be up there." He went back to doing what he was doing, which was mash and forced his way back. You like to see that? Yeah, a hundred percent. And there were some things that O'Neill Cruz needed to work on. Um, when he was in triple, like there were some things that Luis Camposano needed to work on when he got to triple. And um, I'm not saying O'Neill didn't work on them because I, I do think he did, yeah. but you, you could almost see that he was disinterested at points. You yeah. don't really see that with Camposano. No, absolutely. I think it's a great way to put it. We check in with number 78 here and it is Termar Johnson, second base prospect with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And this might be a fun one for us here um, because I know you you didn't love this one as much. Uh, you thought he should probably be higher. And I get it. I get it. Uh, but Tamar Johnson, this is somebody that, you know, uh, we, we there was probably four different guys that were floated as potential 1-1 picks. Tamar Johnson had his little you know time in the light. Some swing and miss concerns started to arise and this is relative to the 70 hit tool because the, perce- the perceived 70 hit tool is the reason why he was uh, so highly regarded. The, I don't think he's – he's. I have 70 future because I think he can definitely get there. He has some freakish ability. But I think we were a little quick as an industry here to just jump on the this guy's the best prep hitter we, we've seen in a decade, blah, 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 blah. I think there's a little bit more swing and miss – then people give credit for. I think we saw a little bit of it, a bit of it, in even brief, uh, just brief professional at bats. I still think he could be a plus plus hitter, but I got to see him get there before I'm lauding this guy as you know the the best prep bat we've seen in a long time. Like I don't I don't think he's going to climb as quickly as Jordan Waller or as quickly as some of the other guys that we've recently seen with more complementary tools and skills that yeah. provide value. I mean, it's all about the bat with Tamar Johnson. 
Yeah, it, it, it is all about the bat. Now, what I will say is that is swing porn mm-hmm. watching Tamar Johnson. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Stunning. So, like, I think that's why people were so quick to fall in love because it is such a beautiful swing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do understand that there's a teensy bit more swing and miss there, but I think with with that frame – the swing that he gets out of it and the impact that we saw just in like the six minute videos that, that Peter was talking about on the just yeah. baseball show. Like, I don't know. I was very quick to fall in love. Um, now, granted, I like watching three hour games, you know, 150 times to get a good read on somebody. Uh, and we're not afforded that ability with, with high school guys. And yeah, he was one of four. I was, when you said one of four guys that were floated as one, one, I was like, okay, holiday went one, drew Jones went two, tomorrow went four, who went three. And it, it slipped my mind that it was Kumar rocker who was never in that conversation, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Who was the other one that was floated one, one was it Elijah green? Elijah green had his moment early on where it was like, that guy's going one, one. Yeah. yeah. I, I love Elijah green and, yeah, and we'll get we'll to, get him, to in him, him in a moment. Yeah. We'll get to him. But um, yeah, I, I think it is so much more bat dependent than some of these other guys, than drew Jones and Jackson holiday. And uh, I, I understand why tomorrow is lower than drew Jones and Jackson holiday, because yeah. it's, it's all on the bat. And if you have any, even the slightest concerns about the bat um, that, that he's not a top 50 guy. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I love Jacob Berry's bat, but I would say it's I it. like that's I it. like it's at, that's it. Even worse too, to a much worse degree. I like Jacob Berry's bat. I don't love it, but I, you know he's not even in the top 100. So you know, it kind of puts things in perspective there. Tomorrow, as a bat first prep guy, that is limited to second. I think 78 is is still a really good spot because I've always said I'm always lower on the draft guys than most of the other people. I think that that rank prospects because. I don't like, I don't believe in the rationale of they are exactly who we think they are until proven otherwise. I think it's a little bit of, I'm going to focus on my concerns until those are hedged by performance. And there's no right or wrong way. Like I'm just pointing out the differences. MLB pipeline though, tends to be much more high on the recent draftees until they prove them otherwise. I, I just don't really align with that approach as much. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting that the pirates, uh, the, the pirates hype that they put out after the draft, and you had like the quote from Ben Sherrington saying like, "We believe we got the best prep hitter like in the draft, and it wasn't close." And I was like, "Yeah." And they also said that he was going to get some looks at shortstop, and then he played pretty much exclusively second base. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I still think Tamar can be awesome. And again, I hope people don't don't take that as like a slight on him. I'm just trying to justify why he's not 30. Like he is in a lot of other places. He's got a, what he's got a 2025 ETA on you've yeah. got him on or a 2026, 2025, 2026. Like let's, let's see. Trust me. If he has a big year next year, I'll bump him up as fast as anybody. Yeah. But. Yes, absolutely. I mean, like he's not getting up in 2023. This is not the final time you will see Tamar Johnson at the top 100. Prospect. Exactly. Uh, and, and the guy ahead of him right here, one spot ahead is Kyle Manzardo Ray's prospect first baseman. Holy crap. Does he race? Um, and I talk about a swing that you fall in love with. Yeah. I fell in love with Kyle Manzardo's swing. And he he is just another raised prospect. Yes, it's a first baseman here, but another raised prospect that just it's such a such a safe offensive profile. I tweeted this out not too long ago. I was saying Manzardo is one of the safest offensive profiles I think you're gonna find in the minor leagues right now in terms of bat to ball 
swing just in terms of his body control doesn't chase just hits lefties well like just uses the whole field feel for the there's just there's almost no hole that you can poke in his offensive game and he hits the ball hard enough so I am a huge fan of Kyle Manzardo he probably will be in the conversation for first base the first base job next year it's just crazy how they find these guys right at Manzardo you got Curtis Mead you got Jonathan Aranda like they know what they're doing and if it looks like they found another guy that fits that mold they probably did Manzardo has a chance to be as good as any of those guys. I think he's going to be better than Aranda, honestly, too. Because yeah. I think there's a little bit more uh, power and a little bit more just dynamic ability to him. Uh, this guy's numbers were just silly this year. 93 games, 26 doubles, 22 homers, 81 driven in, slashed 327, 426, 617. That's a 1043 OPS. He walked a good amount. He did not strike out. I mean, it is... You can't script a better 93 games across high A and double. 65 strikeouts, 59 walks. Yeah, I mean, dude. 80, 86% zone contact, which got better as the year went on. And, you know, hits the ball hard enough. Like, that's the thing. Not off the charts exit velos, but above average, consistently above average. When you hit the ball that frequently and the exit velos are consistently above average, sign me up. Good swing decisions. Uh, hits the ball in the air. I, I can't poke a hole in this guy's. Even hits lefties fine. I, I can't find an issue with his offensive profile. It's it's unbelievable. So I, I really would bet a lot of money on this guy being an above average regular at first base, and he could be big league ready next year. One thousand forty three OPS between the two levels is silly, and I mean he's going to be good for a very long time. I think. Yeah, you know, it's not something that you look at often, but 200 total bases in 93 games is mighty impressive Really, in really total really. bases. Um, and among qualified hitters in full season minor league baseball, Vaughn Brown had a 1060 OPS. Kyle Manzardo was second at 1043. After that, you get Corbin Carroll, Kerry Carpenter, Andy Rodriguez. And so, he just turned 22. Tells you that Manzardo was the second best hitter in minor league baseball this yep. year. Just turned 22 years old. So, and just the swing too, so simple. And he just very, very small load, but gets just this tension. This He's able to store so much energy. I don't know how he does it. And the whip in his swing is really impressive. He's just got some natural twitch to him that I think people wouldn't expect from a guy with his kind of build, but he, he just kind of defies it. Going Real to 76. Quick. Oh, yeah. Real quick before 76. Um, Manzardo, I just said, was the second best hitter in minor league baseball this year. Vaughn Brown with the Giants was the best in minor league baseball. Vaughn Brown is not a top 100 prospect. Can you give me the elevator pitch on on Vaughn Brown from your understanding? He's a little bit older, right? I mean, and and that that was the thing that kind of held Vaughn Brown out a little bit, right? 24 years old. A lot of swing and miss still. 24 and high A. I mean, the numbers were freaking ridiculous but if you're 24 and high a you're not I, a top 100 guy I, i'm gonna need to see more right i mean uh, we're talking about like what matt mervis did he did it all the way in triple at 24 years old yes. so von brown's dynamic really athletic if he did if he did this for 60 50 60 games in double the athletic tool like the tools that he has and what what he showed power speed everything i would have probably thrown him in the back end but we didn't even get to see him in double A. He played one game in double. So yep. I, I just I, I need to see more. But of course, he's on our radar. Anytime you hit 350 with a 611 slugging at any level, I don't care if he was playing in Williamsport, he got my attention. But 
we got to see you do it in double before you're a top 100 guy. I'm with you. Okay. 76. Cam Collier. So, I mean, I, I'm just a huge fan of, of the way this kid carries himself already at 17 years old. Um, it's pretty amazing what, what he is able to do, what he was able to do as a 17 year old who skipped his senior year of high school to go play Juco ball at Chipola, which is a pipeline of, of talent. Yeah. Uh, a guy that goes to the Cape and like, he didn't light up the Cape, but he was 17 on the Cape and held his own. And, you know, I talked to Pete Flaherty, the, the, who's done a lot of great stuff with us. And you know, also was, he's been for a long time, the GM liaison for the Katua Cataliers. And he, he was the guy that was instrumental in getting Collier over to Katua and convincing everybody that it was worth it to bring this 17 year old over there. And boy, was it. And the one thing that Pete Flaherty always said was, his takes are so easy. He controls his at-bats. It's remarkable. Like, you forget he's 17 years old. On top of that, he's already shown he flashed above average to plus raw power. He's hit a ball 450 feet already at the complex, and he's got way more room, I think, to, to add a little bit more juice to his swing. He's a little bit filled out already, but I think he's got more room to fill and more room to tap into that power. When you have a guy that's a left-handed bat who's going to play third base, he's going to stick at third and has a chance for plus hit, plus power, and he's 17, showing this polish, that's that's 100% a can. Like, that has to be a top 100 prospect. Yes, 100%. Um, and I find his stick to very interesting. And, you know, you and I were both uh, students at Syracuse during the Darius Baisley thing. Yeah. Baisley has put together a pretty solid NBA career. And, you know, when you first see that he is opting out of going to college in place of the G League, you say, oh, this dude's just money hunting. And he's like, yeah, I can because I'm I've got tunnel vision. Like, I know exactly what I want. Um, I'm not a partier. I don't need the quote unquote college experience. Like, I just want to go hoop and and I want to put myself in the best position possible. And I think that's what Cam Collier did. Like, I I don't blame anybody for sticking through their four years of high school. Like, I yeah. Are you kidding? But when when a guy like Cam, whose dad was a professional athlete in Lou, like when Cam knows what he wants, I'm going to be a major league baseball player. You develop this blueprint. How do I become that? How do I go about being a professional baseball player the best? And I think the way that he did it was best for him. Absolutely. And and here's the thing. You talk about just kind of knowing what you want and, and getting a head start. The, the craziest part is you, you think about him relative to maybe the 17 year old international free agents that are going to be playing in the Dominican summer league or whatever. He's so much further along than those guys. He's so much quicker more timeline. Yep. So much more advanced than those guys. And uh, it, it's just because of the fact that he's just, just has the bloodlines, you know, has been fast tracked and played more challenging competition. These guys in the Dominican summer league have never played even competition close to the Cape. Correct. So it, it, he's just a very unique, uh, not even just profile, just like experience for a player that uh, you don't find often. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the way he's handled his business and hear nothing but unbelievable things about the makeup and the way he carries himself too, which matters when we're talking about a 17 year old who's being thrown into, uh, you know, I know it's a lot of kids there, but it's, it's a lot of grown men too that he's competing against. And it, it's just a different beast. When I was 17, dude, I, <laughs> There's a lot of things that I was not mature enough to handle and professional baseball was definitely one of them, but there was yes. a lot less encompassing things that I was not mature enough to handle. So uh, shout out Cam Collier, shout out Lou Collier and his wife who did a great job, obviously getting this kid ready to go and, and mature at a 17 year old age to, to be able to do this. 100%. So 
let's go to another Rays first base masher, Jonathan Aranda. And man, I know anybody that's been listening to this podcast has heard me talk about Aranda for like years now. Um, this is another Ty France effect guy yeah. that, oh, because he doesn't excel anywhere defensively. I'm going to ignore the fact that he just flat out mashes all the time, forever, has always mashed. And he's limited to first base, second base. At least the fact that he is, he doesn't excel at any defensive position. He's not really even that average at any defensive position, but he can be below average at a lot of different places. He can be passable at first, at second, maybe even third. Probably throw him into the outfield. He'll be not the worst. Like, at least if you're not going to be good anywhere, be passable at multiple places. That's exactly what Jonathan Aranda is. But I'm not here to talk about the glove. I'm here to talk about the bat because he's been a plus hit tool guy, somebody that the, – the one thing with Aranda is that's a name that comes up as much as anybody when I ask around. Who is someone that really stood out to you in your series? And a lot of these te- these guys that I'll talk to, you know, you got to see the same team for six games straight now in the minors, as you know. So when a guy can really hit, you see him kill you for six straight games. You know, one guy that that really stands out to me with the way he talked about him was was uh, Griffin Conan talking about Aranda because that was one where I remember I asked him, I said, Griff, you know, what's the deal with this guy? He just lets you up for like ten hits in a series. He goes, Dude, I've never seen a guy in the minors make hitting look so easy. He said that about two guys. Two guys, Aranda and Vinny Pascantino, which is so funny because there are two specific guys I asked him about. And he said, I can't believe you get, you asked me about those two guys. Those are the two guys that I look at and I'm like, how do they make it look so easy? So whenever I have that takeaway and then I'll ask a couple pro guys and they have the same takeaway, I'm like, I'm all in. So I've been in on Aranda forever. But the question was the power, Jack. Three home runs in 59 games in 2019. And then in 2021, he adds more power, 14 home runs. This year, between AAA and the big leagues, 20 home runs. The hit tool has not waned. I don't have much to add here. Like, he just hits. I. That's the thing, because you, you can hyperanalyze anything you want. And, and you and I have talked about Aranda enough. You've talked about Aranda enough on this podcast. Like, he just hits. He's one of the best hitters in the minor leagues. He's getting his shot with Tampa now. He is absolutely a top 100 guy, regardless of how old he is, regardless of, you know, his his lack of defensive versatility. I think that's the thing that I guess holds him back. But when you hit like Vinny, you hit like Vinny and you're going to have a spot in Major League Baseball. 100%. And when you add the power, it just makes things even more exciting. He he was able to – what amazes me with him is he stays in the backside so well. Uh, he swings off of that back leg really well. So the pull side power is now above average. It's not going to be above average to all fields, but he knows how to leverage his counts. If it's middle in, he can crush it out of there. If it's a mistake, he will crush it out of there. That can get you to 20 home runs when you have a plus hit tool. He's got a plus hit tool. Uh, and legitimately, I think I've asked now five or six different pro players who have played against Aranda, w- you know, what stands out? And they just go, I don't understand really? how he makes hitting look so easy. That's yeah. always the takeaway. So guys like that tend to, you know, progress pretty well. They play. 74. Oh, man. Um, Jack Leiter, right-handed pitching prospect, Texas Rangers. Um, I I know both of us love Jack Leiter as a prospect and as a, as a person. He's a great, great dude, hard worker. That's why I'm not sounding the alarms. But I would be biased to to not have him here. You know, if I didn't drop him, it would be silly because unfortunately it was a really rough year for the number two pick in the Texas Rangers system, number two pick in 2021. 
Um, very aggressive assignment. We've talked about it. He, he didn't maybe necessarily need to be fast tracked like that. But you know what? We didn't bat an eye. Hindsight's twenty twenty. When we, when we went when he went to Double A, we didn't say like, oh, that's crazy. Max Meyer went to Double A. You know, Jake Eater went to Double A. I can talk about a lot of other pitchers that. You know, I've started to get a little bit more of those aggressive assignments, maybe quick yanks to double after a cameo and high. The command just wasn't there. Yeah. I sent you some some video of the mechanics and things like that that you saw. Uh, share share some of your thoughts, I think, because this is probably somebody that you've watched a bit more closely, I think, than some of the other maybe pitching prospects just because you love your college guys and, you know, you know that – Jack is 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 a guy that we have both been really excited. Everyone in the, in the world's been excited about for a while, and I think they still should be. But where are you at? Um, I haven't did I haven't been deterred that much at all. Um, what I will say is there were some there were some mechanical cues that he had at Vandy that kind of went away this mm-hmm. year with with some of the video that you sent me that didn't necessarily make sense to me. Like I felt that he was straight line, let his ridiculous legs and lower half play and just work point A to point B and were set on that front. Like that yeah. was Jack Leiter at Vanderbilt. But the reality of Jack Leiter at Vanderbilt was he could throw eight shutout innings by only throwing fastballs. That's how good the fastball was. Yeah. That's not the case oh. in, in minor league baseball, especially when you get assigned to double off the jump. So the question is, how do you adapt? And I, it wasn't just usage. It honestly felt like there were some mechanical things that kind of fell yeah. by the wayside and pitching got a teensy bit more complex for him this year. Yeah. And, and that's right, not it. No, I mean, like, that's not something that Jack Leiter can thrive with. Like, pitching needs to be simple for Jack Leiter, I think. And and he's such an advanced thinker that he will figure out a way to make pitching simple yeah. again for him. So I'm not worried about that. I was going to say, and, and you know, you see a guy struggle through the season. He's not going to change his mechanics in the middle of the season. No. In his first year, he's trying to survive and double. And this is still somebody that you'll get the overall numbers on the season. Not great, right? But he still had flashes of outings where you're like, oh, there's Jack Leiter. Yeah. Right? Like six innings, eight Ks, 10 Ks. You're like, oh, there he is. You're you saying know? vintage Jack Leiter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I can speak again. I mean, he was a guest on the podcast, and I'm fortunate enough to, to have known Jack through the years. I will. He could have had a 30 ERA this season and actually had 30 wild pitches. And I would still say, obviously I'd be more concerned at that point. I'm not going to lie, but I would still say, I believe in this kid because of what you said between the years. And then, Oh yeah, he has a pretty good built-in pitching coach with his father and he has a really good relationship with his father and they work together really well. He's in a good organization. The Rangers have done a great job of overhauling their player development. But what I will say is guess who fell off this list as well. In this Rangers org, who's a pitcher? Win, right? And he was a disaster this year. W- way worse. You know, the strikeouts weren't there either. I don't know what's going on. Their general manager is a guy that was a pitcher and a good one, and Chris Young. I don't know what's going on philosophically there because they have had guys like Owen White, who we'll get to, who was phenomenal this year. But Owen White also is just a four pitch polished guy that we just didn't see because he was hurt. Your two top pitching prospects taking a massive step back this year is something to note, and and it is something to follow. But again, that's why I don't care as much with Leiter because you could you could have no help in your organization. Jack is smart enough, especially with the help of the people around him, that he will figure out and get to the bottom of this thing. The one concern I do have is you mentioned the fastball. Fastball shape wasn't nearly as good as it was in Vanderbilt. 
Maybe it was because of the mechanics. Maybe it was because of a, a little bit of the issues that he was having with, with just the overall, you know, repeatability of his delivery. But the fastball wasn't the same. The slider was spectacular. Curveball, not quite where it was supposed to be. And then, of course, if you're having command issues of your fastball, you're not going to command the changeup. So right. that wasn't quite there either. But I think there's still a lot to like. And if he comes out and, and lights the world on fire next year, neither of us are batting an eye. It's so funny because he had like no hit perfect game type stuff in college when he was just fastball curveball. And those were the second and third best pitches for him this year yeah. behind the slider. So the, the growth of the slider is encouraging. He needs to find that fastball shape again. Has to. And, and the command of it. And I think he will. We get to 73 shortstop Cleveland guardians organization, Ryan Rocchio. And this is another player where it's just high, high floor. Ceiling probably somewhat limited. Did not get off to the kind of start this season that you'd like to see, but then was really solid and then kind of struggled again after the promotion. This is someone you've seen a lot, a lot more of, and I mean, someone of. That, yeah, you have a lot. I honestly think you can speak a little bit more to the all of the things that people really like about Rokio that you, you're not going to get in the in the data. You're not going to get in one look. He's a guy that brings a lot more to the table. And that's why a lot of teams love him. A lot of execs love him. And that's why the Guardians love him as an intangibles guy. But, I mean, he's also a switch hitter with great defensive ability who can run. Um, there's a lot to like with Rokio, but, you know, this just wasn't a great season. But it still wasn't a bad one by any means. No, I mean, he handles his shit. Like, I, I think that's why everybody loves him. Like, he is a 21-year-old that functions like a 30-year-old shortstop. I yeah. see I see so much like Brandon Crawford type in Brian Rocchio. It's it's incredible. And I'm not talking, you know, yeah, Rocchio's a good defender. Crawford's a better defender. Um, and that offensive season that Crawford put up last year, like Rocchio dreams of of putting up that type of offensive season. But what I mean by the Brandon Crawford comp is the Giants have nothing to worry about at shortstop with Brandon Crawford because not only is he you know, the quote unquote captain of the infield, like the shortstop is supposed to be, but Crawford is the one that is going to make the easy play look effortless. He's going to make the hard play look easy and he's going to make the impossible play look doable. And I think that's what Rokio is. Uh, and at the plate, he's never going to stress you out. He's never going to frustrate you. That's never been something that Brandon Crawford does. So I think there's this level of comfort with Brian Rokio that the guardians have. I don't know if there's a level of excitement that matches what a Gabriel Arias or a Jose Tena has. So yeah. how do you balance those? Yeah. And, and you know what? It's just, if those other guys with higher ceilings, you talk about like Martinez as well. And on how like if they don't reach their, their ceilings or even reached close to it, you have somebody in Rokio that, you know, you've got a, at least a slightly above average regular here at shortstop. But I, I will note, too, he's, he's 21 years old and reached triple this year. So he could put it together to another degree. And we see that hit tool trend closer to 60 than 55. And all of a sudden now he's a uh, comfortably above average regular. But switch hitter with the speed tapped into more power this year with, with 18 homers and you know, was really good over the like two months after shaking off the slow start. Really good in double a before getting promoted to triple where he understandably struggled as a 21 year old. Um, this guy's a big leaguer. Uh, it's just a, a matter of, is he an average big leaguer or an above average one? That's going to be dependent on the hit tool. Uh, but there's a lot of reason to believe in, in said hit tool. Yeah. A hundred percent. I do want to give you a, another type of comp. Uh, okay. Dansby Swanson. 
And Dansby strikes out a lot more than Roquillo ever would. But has a little bit more power, probably. Yeah, a little bit more power. But I'm talking like pre-2022 Dansby Swanson, where he was one of the better defenders at the shortstop position in baseball. And you knew like, yeah, really good. I mean, Peter had the joke, like he was the barometer for average shortstop. Yeah. Brian Roquillo's 50th percentile outcome is the 50th percentile shortstop in Major League Baseball. And you're finding yourself a a top 15 shortstop. If you find yourself a middle-of-the-pack shortstop, I think you're very happy stumbling into Dansby Swanson. Absolutely. And I think think Roquillo... He, and then he bring all those intangibles as well, you know, and, and I think that kind of puts him over the top. And right? that's Dansby, right? Dansby yeah. was the intangibles all over the place. And then maybe he explodes at 27, 28, like Dansby did. You know, he never <laughs> and gets a bag. Yeah. Yeah. And it won't be from Cleveland. Um, so <laughs> another guy who, no matter how well he performs for his team, will never get a bag is Tyler Soderstrom of uh-huh. the Oakland A's because obviously they're not paying him, but they don't have to pay him anytime soon. And he should actually be in the big leagues relatively soon because they finally decided to really cut down on the catching thing. He's been playing a lot more first base, which has honestly helped him offensively. And he's been fast-tracked in a lot of ways. I mean, Soderstrom was one of the most advanced prep hitters in the 2020 class and has really shown it. Not a good catcher defensively. And I think they're starting to see that as like a Will Myers type thing where it's like, okay, let's let's probably just not even bother with this anymore at this point. Um, and let's, let's focus on the bat. The bat's really good. Uh, you look at, at – what he did in double, it was solid, not not great in terms of like WRC plus because he didn't walk and he still has not walked as much as he should. But the field to hit is really impressive. The power is very impressive from the left-handed side of the plate. And I, I'll bet that the approach will get better. 29 home runs across three levels this year. 105.7 90th percentile exit velocity is very, very impressive. I know he's in hitter-friendly environments, but the exit velos are, are there. 85% zone contact. That'll play for a guy with his kind of power. We're looking at an above-average hit tool plus power guy, left-handed stick. All that's missing is the approach, 31% chase rate. That's the one thing we need to see improve, but he's 20 years old and reached triple this year, Jack. Well, and the only thing that that was hindering his meteoric rise was his inability to be a good defensive catcher when yeah. when he would move up. Right? It was all defense. It was all defensive. And once they started to move off that, once they decided, you know, like, hey, maybe we should bag that and just like let this guy eat at the plate. Uh, now he's he's knocking on the door of Major League Baseball before he can legally drink. Right? He's twenty. Yeah. Twenty. Yeah. So I mean. Come on now. So, I mean, I, I think he's the future at first base for them. Um, you know, you're hoping he kind of settles into that Matt Olson type of, you know, arc where I think that's a Only ceiling. one year without him. How about it? Yeah. <laughs> you have one year post Matt Olson and then you move on to a Tyler Soderstrom. I think that's what you dream on, right? Is is that's the 100th percentile outcome is that kind of offensive ability from the left side of the plate. And again, yeah. he's 20. He's got a lot of time to get there. He could, he could be a 20 home run guy for the first couple of years, feel it out, and then all of a sudden he's got three years under his belt and he's 24 years old and we see him go nuclear when a lot of guys are usually debuting. So he is way ahead of schedule because he's of his natural ability. His approach is way behind and he's still able to, to circumvent that because of how well he is able to just put bat on ball. And what stands out the most to me is that he crushes velocity and is, is competitive against secondary stuff. It usually is a good, uh, just a sign of a good hitter. Yeah. 71. Tink Hentz, right-handed pitching prospect of the St. Louis Cardinals, 
just learn the name if you don't know who he is and, and get used to hearing it. Well, first of all, it's a sick name. But yeah, second of all, just get used to it because he is so good. Like so, so, so good and so talented already. I, I'm looking at what this kid has done on the mound. Uh, you look at the, the grades here, 60 present, on, 70 future on the fastball. I already have a plus grade on the on the curveball and the changeup flashed above average. He's not huge. He's about six feet tall, super wiry, athletic, uh, crazy arm speed. And he just repeats his mechanics so well from that low release point, the fastball takes off. He is he is really exciting. And if he had a little bit more of a taste above low A, I don't know why they stashed him down there so long. I probably would have had him way up higher. Uh, but because the whole season was in low A, got to keep him in the 70 range. But if he looks good in the fall league, he'll have some big helium. I'll tell you that. 100%. I'm very excited to watch Tink Hans in the fall league. Uh, first name, Markavion. I'm not sure how you get from Markavion to Tink. I'm sure there's like a great backstory with the nickname there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tink Hens, not only is that a phenomenal name, like that sounds like an ace of a rotation, Tink Hens. But yeah, I mean, I mean, like a one three eight ERA, 31 hits against him in 52 and a third innings. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, you know one, what opponents slashed against him? No, what did they slash against him? 174, 241, 236. I mean, it's slugging 236 against Tink Hens. Are you kidding me? One homer allowed and 195 hitters faced. Okay, low A was too easy for this cat. Way too easy. And fastball sits 96, you know, tops at 99 with minimal effort for his low, low release point. Freaking takes off. The curveball is a hammer. And if I told you, dude, like he's already landing a hammer of a curveball for a strike around 57, 58% of the time. Wow. And the changeup, he was landing for a strike over 60% of the time. This guy's got a field of pitch that's ahead of his years. The Cardinals killed that draft in 2020 with Jordan Walker, Tink Hens, Mason Wynn, Alec Burleson. Like, what the hell is that? I got to figure out the f- the fifth guy that they picked that year. It was – um shit. It, I know – ah, outfielder. Outfielder. He's not bad. He's actually not bad. I'm forgetting I'm, his name. It's I'm cool finding name. him now. Keep, it's a keep, cool name. I'm going to be pissed. It's like LJ, LJ, uh, LJ Jones or something like that. I'll tell you right now. Hold on. Uh, keep keep praising him for a moment. Okay. But no, so this is a good guy to watch in the fall league too. Probably going to be the youngest player in the entire Arizona fall league, which is a testament to his ability there. And uh, Oh, they had a couple of picks. So uh, LJ Jones, one, right? LJ Jones. Yeah. Let's go. Round one, it was Jordan Walker. Round two was Mason Wynn. Competitive balance round B was Tink Hens. Uh, compensation round two was Alec Burleson. Levi Prater was their third round pick uh, out of been, Oklahoma. He's, been, he's struggled. Ian Bedell, fourth round. He's been okay. And then LJ Jones. Pretty solid draft. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, number 70, Jackson Job. Uh, a little bit of an interesting first season because I thought Job would be more like Tink Hens, honestly, where premium athlete. A, a lot of people were, were lauding Job as the most advanced high school pitcher we'd seen since Dylan Bundy. Um, it just wasn't quite the case this first season. Yeah. I mean, he showed some really good flashes. Um, I, I honestly was actually just catching up with his catcher for a lot of the season and Mike Rothenberg and the Tigers organization, uh, my good friend from South Florida. And he still, he loves Job. He loves, uh, and there's a lot to love there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he said he's, he's a really smart pitcher that is focused on, you know, improving some of the, 
some of the issues that he had this year, which one of them was just just slider, uh, th- that breaking ball, just getting guys to chase more because I think it was a little bit easy to read out of his hand. It wasn't as sharp. So when when you are looking for that pitch, you know it's fastball, slider, or that it's more of like a slurvy pitch. You know that basically if you see spin out of his hand, you can pick it up a little bit earlier right now. So he's trying to figure out how to sharpen that up a little bit. But the feel for the changeup wasn't bad when he went to it. The fastball, it's good. He just has to locate it a bit better. He's a kid, right? Like he's really young. He's 19 years old. He's number three overall pick in the 2021 draft by the Tigers. He's going to be really good. He's going to be really good. It wasn't as lights out or exciting of a year as I thought it would be because the fastball command wasn't totally there. And then, of course, the breaking ball was a little bit easier to pick up because of, you know, just the, the slower shape to it. Whole, whole sharpen all that up, and I think I'll be just fine. But uh, a little bit of a fall because I was, I was a little bit eager with him going into this year. I don't blame you for being eager. Um, yeah, my thing is like I was kind of same boat as you were. I was expecting these comical K rates. Like yeah. I was expecting like 13 Ks per nine in low A. It's it's mm-hmm. super easy, and he was right around like nine and a half Ks per nine. So, okay, yeah, still good, but I, I wanted – utterly insane and we yeah. didn't get utterly insane so i i get it i'm not going to pit that against him because that's i guess our fault for having utterly insane my expectations, expectations were so damn high for you joe yeah. come on <laughs> i think he's going to be really good man and you know he, he struggled to get acclimated to high a but he got a taste of it and i think he's gonna be quite good next year and he'll, he'll know exactly what he needs to work on there but such a good athlete with already a pretty solid present three pitch mix already generates 3000 RPMs on his breaking ball. It's just the efficiency there and he'll get there. Also, Um, how about, uh, how about us like absolutely heading towards an hour 20 as opposed to 45 minutes? Are we heading to now? Oh yeah. Yeah. We're 52 minutes in. We're utterly incredible. Uh, I think, I think we can get it. I think we can get them out of here by one ten. Let's see. Let's see. Edwin Arroyo, part of the package for Luis Castillo switch hitter with the Cincinnati red shortstop. No doubt in my mind he's sticking it short. He is a wizard defensively. You talk about comparing him to Rokio. There's a lot of similarities there, and I think more offensive upside than Rokio. So uh, that's why he's a little bit ahead. He's obviously younger as well. Um, I'm a big fan of this guy. I was shocked that he was included in that Luis Castillo deal. Above average field to hit, above average power to dream on, or at least average power to dream on, and just a wizard defensively. So – Struggled a little bit after the trade, but has put up pretty good numbers overall as a younger guy at the level that he was playing at. Uh, I think he's going to be good for a long time, and he's going to climb quickly. He's going to climb very quickly. My thing was I was not expecting the power to show up in the way that it did. Um, he slugged 480 across rookie ball for two games in the low A. Um, I mean, it was it was Modesto and Daytona, but 116 games, he, he slugged 480, 25 doubles, 10 triples, and 14 homers. Uh, you can't you can't bank on 10 triples every no. year, but really interesting because like he's super super fast. His ability to put the ball out as consistently as he did was mighty impressive. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, as long as the hit tool can continue to progress, he's an extremely aggressive hitter. But that's something we'll have to rein in a little bit. But there's a lot to like here with Edwin Arroyo. Let's move to 68. And I, for whatever reason, I feel like this guy slept on in the yeah. Cubs system by Cubs fans. Well, when when Cubs fans saw these rankings, every a lot of them were like, "Wow, maybe we got to shift our our focus a little bit more to Casey too." It's easy to happen. It's easy to forget when you got 
you know, guys like Matt Mervis emerging. You got Pete Crow Armstrong in the organization doing what he's doing. You've got Kevin Alcantara kind of in the same boat as Casey, and he's six six and playing yeah. center. Uh, it's easy to forget that Owen Casey is a really, really good left-handed bat with huge raw raw power and a better field to hit than people give him credit for. I mean, this guy was we're comparing him and Kevin Alcantara, they're the same age. I, I think, you know, obviously there's a difference in in athleticism, but if we're talking about the bat. Casey put up pretty much the same numbers in high A versus Alcantara in low A from the left-handed side of the batter's box and has more, you know, not more, but I think a pretty exciting overall offensive profile. I don't know why Owen Casey doesn't get more love. I think he's an incredibly talented hitter. And I think that he has such a good physical build for the the outfield spot that he will command at 19 years old. I mean, he does not look like a, a new 20 year old. He doesn't. Um, but yeah, I, I think Casey is a guy that it was, was deserving of a bump to double a by the end of the year. So you're going to see a 20 year old in double a for the Chicago Cubs that you know, he's like not not a guy that has been in the system for a billion years. Like he was a high school draft pick out of Canada. Yeah, and, and super raw, like super, super raw. And that's the craziest part is the fact that he's been as advanced at the plate as such an, a raw prospect is extremely encouraging. He flashed some big time exit velos as well. And uh, something I'm going to do as we go through this top 100 is is kind of highlight as part of the eBay feature. The, the prospects that I think are a good purchase on eBay and Owen Casey's one. What do you think his Bowman Chrome Auto goes for on eBay, Jack? Dude, I have no idea. Um, $30. That's it. Oh, well, I would buy that. This guy has 35 home run potential, I think. Yeah. From, and for a major market, and his Bowman Chrome Auto is $30. Yeah. I've seen guys go for hundreds that have done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's one of my favorite buys. I might be one of the, you know, TikTok eBay segments I do soon is the fact that his car just went for $34.47. That was at $34.47 for Do his it. Bowman Chrome Auto is, is crazy. Do it. I'm going to right after this call is over, <laughs> right after we get yeah. off this episode. 67, D.L. Hall, left-handed pitching prospect with the Baltimore Orioles. Saw him in a big league cameo. Um, reliever now uh, for them, but I think long-term they're going to try him as a starter. But it was more of an innings management kind of thing. And dude, Hall, we, we know we've talked about him a lot. The stuff is crazy. It's as good as any left-hander you're going to find in the minor leagues and up there with just about any left-hander in the major leagues when it's around the zone. We're talking about a 70-grade fastball, 60 slider, and above-average curveball and changeup. But the command is – is dude, it's rough. It's uh, – I mean, he frustrates me. Yeah. He frustrates me. And, and Camposano and, and Yvonne Herrera give you headaches. Like, D.L. Hall gives me headaches, and, and uh, I take my glasses off to get very yeah, serious. Yeah, I'll say, wow. Yeah, I, get, I take my glasses off to get serious about this one because D.L. Hall is like, um, a, as somebody that appreciates pitching as an art form, like that's not necessarily D.L. Hall's game, and I don't fault him for it because he is 100 with a crazy slider and a gross changeup. So yeah. the, this stuff is electric. Um, what I don't like is his inability to bunker down and throw strikes when it matters the most. And that's what I feel like is going to might do him in as a starting pitcher. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he can be a very, very good bullpen arm, but you got to throw strikes in order to be a top flight starting pitcher. I think 67 is a good spot for him, but the reality is if he was a strike thrower or if he placed more of an emphasis on throwing strikes, 
he'd be a top 20 prospect in baseball because Correct. his stuff is that good. Correct. So, and it's not like he's a 6'10 guy, you know, like no. he's 6'2. I, I do, I do wonder. And he had a quote going into the season that was like, you know, how do you feel about you know the inability to throw strikes out of focus for you? He's like, I'm not too worried about that. And, you should be. Yeah, I was like, you should be. You should be. Should be. As talented as they come, but you know, there's major reliever risk. And he's probably, it, it, it's it's good that he's succeeding in the bullpen. I think you look at his last seven appearances or six appearances, he's been dynamite for them out of the bullpen for the yeah, Orioles. You do too well there, they may keep yeah. you there. They might not. They, he might never leave. Um, he just had a nice little two inning uh, relief appearance against the Red Sox, where he struck out three, didn't allow any runs, didn't walk anybody. He's only walked two guys in those six appearances. So, I mean, that's, I, I, he probably hasn't gone six and two thirds with two walks in a while. <laughs> so like, it's, it's something to, to monitor there. I, Dude, I'm interested to see how they handle that. I think we're looking at a Joan Duran type thing right Very now, possible. because it, you know, it's, it, Duran was kind of coming the into the fold now too. Like the rotation's slowly filling out a little bit. They might sign a guy or two. Exactly, dude. I mean, like Duran, it was okay. You're a, a, we love you as a pitching prospect, but we don't trust you to start major league games yet. Let's throw you in the bullpen. Oh Josh my Taylor. God. You're 103 with, yeah, in a hundred mile an hour splinker. That's <laughs> kind of what DL Hall is oh, yeah. right now. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's worth noting. And, and you know what? That's still a top 100 prospect because if he's, if he's a reliever, if he's a closer, he's, yeah. he's one of the best in the game when he, when it, when it all comes together for him in yeah, that role. Dude. Absolutely a top 100 guy in that regard. I just wish he threw more strikes as a star. Absolutely. 66, friend of the show, Alec Burleson. And man, is this easy? If you haven't listened to that episode, like if you're just discovering the podcast because of uh, just the top 100 being more buzzwordy, Alec Burleson interview, he is so awesome. <laughs> and he really just was so thoughtful with, with breaking down how he hits. Another ECU guy talking about how what we loved about Connor Norby. Um he does all the same things, lets it eat early in the count, spreads out with two strikes, puts the ball in play. He's so good at, at hitting just naturally. Climb three levels, much like Norby, uh, success in triple, now up in the big leagues. There's so much to like with Burleson, above average field to hit, above average raw power. Look, he's not going to be a defensive beast out there, but he's got a good arm in a corner. He was a pitcher at ECU. I'm just such a believer in the bat and the the approach. Uh, when we did the the hitting breakdown with him, if you're on YouTube, check out that just hitting breakdown that we did. We're walking through some of his at-bats, and he talks about his approach. It, it, it's just it, – this has to play, and it is, and it really consistently has played so far. Yeah, you got off to a really slow start, but like this is the kind of guy that you and I both love watching where – he doesn't strike out. He doesn't really walk. He just puts the ball in play all the time. And he's just, he, he screams big country. Does he not? Yeah, yeah, he does. He totally screams big country. And I would not be shocked if he just decides to abandon the batting gloves entirely. Like that's <laughs> Alec Burleson's type of approach where, um, no, I, I think that this dude is a free swinger that impacts the baseball and consistently consistently and just likes playing the game. You can see how much he loves playing the game by just watching him play and just gets better and better. And I think, I think the free swinging will be reined in a little bit. Like he is who he is, but I do think he's going to you know mix in some walks and he's just, he's just got what it takes in terms of his approach mentally. And obviously physically, we've seen what he can do as a hitter. I'm so in on Burleson and his, his cards have gone up. I, I, I gave his card out when it was $15. I said, buy that thing. I still think it's a good buy on eBay right now. It's you can get it from 35 to $40. This guy's going to be a big leaguer for, for a long time. And I think he could be a very consistent contributor where 
you look back 10 years from now and you're like, wow, this guy had a really nice career uh, at $30 on eBay. That's another really good purchase. Dude, how do you feel being a price pusher on eBay? Price pusher? Yeah. Just trying to, well, you think I'm trying to just bump up, you know, pump my own uh, cards a little bit? I think what you do, you get in on the ground floor and then you see guys just like eat skyrocket after that. Like, I, I think you're making eBay and some dough right now. Hey, that's that's what they paid for. Right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a sponsored segment. Um, but I, I, I will always say, though, with, with the sponsored segments, I'm giving out the best investments I can actually find because uh, I, I get a lot of DMs and people that, that I know will, will buy the cards that we recommend. And I will never recommend a card I'm not buying myself. So, But people are like, oh, well, you're, you're trying to bump up the cards that you're purchasing. Well, would you rather me recommend cards that I don't want to buy? <laughs> that I'm not, that I'm not going to put the money where my mouth is. So, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit of both. But I'll never pump a card that uh, I don't believe in. 65, though, another $30 card. I'm not pushing this one as a purchase, though. I'm just going to tell you that the price is $30 on eBay. If you like it more than I do, go ahead. Michael Bush, second base prospect with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I love him as a prospect. I just That's not a card I'm investing in, a positionless guy for the most part. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be just in an organization where there's always better options. But Michael Bush has huge juice. Um, and, you know, if you really believe that the Dodgers are going to give this guy consistent reps and that, you know, he can be the power guy, I think it's a great purchase. But just talking about Michael Bush as a prospect here, he hits the crap out of the ball. <laughs> um, he has continued to do that at every level. And he did it again this year. What was it, 30 home runs did he have this year? I think so, in Oklahoma City. He had 11 in double and then 21 in Oklahoma City. So that's 32 home runs this season. Um He's kind of a, a Max Muncie light, obviously not nearly the defensive ability all over the diamond, but by Max Muncie light, a left-handed bat. It's going to strike out in the high 20s, mid to high 20s, but like consistently keep it there. I don't think he's going to be up in the 35 range. It's going to be 20 to 27% or 25 to 27%, but he's going to walk double digit percentage and he's going to hit a lot of home runs. Three true outcome, but left-handed stick that is like weirdly consistent. With that, with you know, he's going to walk, strike out, and hit. I don't think he's going to be as streaky as the Joey Gallows of the world. And I think he's going to be an above-average regular for a long time. Yeah. Um, what I can tell you about Michael Bush is the makeup is absolutely off the charts. Um, That's great to know, too. Yeah, he, off the charts. I uh, talked to Michael Bush on, on a previous <laughs> podcast, and we had him, and, you know, we told him about 30. We went, like, 45. And, um, I mean, he was just awesome and, and he's calm cool collected but he also like you know he thinks about baseball in a way that is he tries to simplify the complex which i really appreciate about bush and, and you can tell from his approach too because you know this is not a guy that looks outmatched by anybody at any point which i'm a massive fan of and i think that's kind of the dodger way i think they saw him thrive at carolina and said well you're one of the best hitters in one of the best conferences in america I bet you can do that with the help of us. Yeah. And here we are. And I love a guy that, that hedges his weaknesses, right? You know, we're talking about a guy that has some whiff, but what does he do? He doesn't chase at all. He slugs on contact as good as anybody doesn't hit the ball on the ground. Like that's what you want from a guy that's going to whiff a little bit. Good swing decisions, hit the ball hard and know your weaknesses and strengths. So Michael Bush does, he hits yes. the crap out of the ball. And I think he, he's just hits the ball too hard with too good of approach to not be an above average big league regular. Yeah. hundred percent. 64. The best player in major league baseball. Very soon. Oh, uh, should be the number one prospect in baseball. <laughs> actually, like I actually, when, when we were joking about the, the Ben Verlander piece and how he's attached himself to Shohei Otani, it's like, 
this is going to be me with Joey Weimer. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to tour his, uh, his hometown. I'm going to like, like jokes aside, Joey Weimer's a hilarious dude plays the game with just reckless abandonment. That is so fun to watch. And he makes no sense. And that's why I love what he is as a player. And by he makes no sense. You look at his swing. I've never seen a swing like it in my entire life. He's you so look weird. at his size. I've never seen a guy that big run the way he does. You look at his arm. It might be an 80 arm, dude. <laughs> it might be an 80 arm. And then you also look at what he did this year, and it makes no sense. I mean, he was lost in double A at one point. They promote him in the middle of being lost with the whole crew of Sal Freelick, Garrett Mitchell. They all had the triple. And then all of a sudden, Joey Weimer decides that, you know what? I'm a sub 20% K rate guy in triple A. And in 43 games, dude, he strikes out 19% of the time after striking out around 40% of the time for a month stretch in double. What is Joey Weimer? Is that a question? Yes. I've got no idea. <laughs> like, why would I know the answer to that question? Because when, when we saw Weimer, when we went to Biloxi to go talk to him, I mean, Weimer was in this great stretch and, and he was one of the better hitters in double a baseball. And then right after that, I think it was like the curse of just baseball. Um, you know, he just fell off the face of the earth, but then he resurfaces in Nashville. And I can see him like, I'm not saying he's got that Zank Greggy approach, um, but I, I can absolutely see him, you know, like talking to somebody during that stretch. And it's like, Hey, you're really struggling. What's going on, man. He's like, Oh no, it's fun. I like baseball. (laughs) (laughs) You're struggling. Like, yeah, what's up? He's like, baseball man (laughs) yeah baseball sometimes we're gonna suck sometimes we're gonna rock you know (laughs) so it's crazy man and you look at his last 30 games in triple which is the sample i really wanted to pull from because there was a tangible change here and those last 30 games chase rate lowest of his professional career for a 30 game stretch at 25 because he's super aggressive he's always gonna whiff but it doesn't matter because he hits the ball so hard over that 30 game stretch 317, 408, 587 slash line, 14% walk rate, 17% K rate, and hit the ball in the air a ton. We see how hard this guy hits the ball. It's it's plus plus raw power. And he I think he figured out what the gap was in his approach. And I, I really believe that he, he turned things around just in the nick of time to finish off with a really strong season and still keep himself on track for a 2023 MLB debut, which he will make American Family Field look like again Williamsport. Uh, with the way he can hit the, the baseball. Dude, I he he might hit Bernie's uh chalet uh, up there. He might hit the slide with a baseball. Like that's that's the kind of impact that he has. Um yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that he is totally due for a 2023 debut. And and they're not done yet. You know, Weimer got a Weimer got a free trip to Vegas. Nashville's yeah. in the uh, triple eight. Oh the, yeah. Uh, oh, well, you already know he's hitting the walk-off home run to win it all. Like, Absolutely. It, 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 Absolutely. That's the biggest lock in the world. But yeah, I mean, outfielder in the Brewers org that I think could have as much power as anybody that they have in that organization right now. Um, and he will be a fan favorite. I'll guarantee that he doesn't have any cards for whatever freaking reason. 63 Quinn Priester, right-handed pitching prospect with the Pittsburgh Pirates, who you saw recently. He didn't look too, too sharp. I've always been lower on Priester, but you cannot deny the results this year. And what I'm realizing more and more is like, okay, he's not going to be that frontline guy that maybe some hoped in the early going, but it'd be silly to dismiss a 22-year-old prospect who overall had success in AAA this season in those two starts. It was one good start and then one bad start, but really was great in AA all year long. Fastball is a concern. 
I think it's it's above average at the very best. But the only reason why I didn't give it a below average grade is he has two fastballs. Four seamer stinks. Two seamer really good uh, from that high release point dives yeah. arm side. But the curveball is the calling card. The slider is above average. The command is solid. The makeup is great. And that's why Quinn Priester has long been a top 100 prospect. Feels like he's 30 years old with how long we've been hearing about him, but he's still just 22. Top yeah. 100 guy, ceiling limited, floor high. You got to like those kind of prospects still. I think you could either be really happy with him or disappointed in, in what you've seen from him over the last couple of years, depending on how you want to view Quinn Priester. Um, yeah. and, and I think if you want to view him as the generational ace of the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're going to be somewhat disappointed because he doesn't miss enough bats to do that. And, you know, he um, it has the affinity to, to get hit in spurts. But I think if you look at him as, hey, he's got a chance to be a really good middle of the rotation starter. I think you're very happy with where Quinn Priester is. Absolutely. And I think, you know, he does give up, have the tendency to give up those like hits and munches, but doesn't walk guys a ton, doesn't give up a ton of home runs, which is really important, obviously. And, you know, that's a good way to to, to keep yourself uh, pretty solid when you give up contact and you don't get the whiffs at the same level as other guys. If you're not walking guys and you're not giving up home runs, you're usually going to be pretty safe, even if you give up a few more hits. And again, it's all about hedging those weaknesses, right? And I think Quinn Priester does that really well. Hard to deny the numbers, hard to deny the efficiency that he displays on the mound. I agree. Like if you were expecting an ace, sure, I get that in the early going. You know, you see the first round pick. Yeah, yeah. you see first round pick. You see the curveball from a 20 year old. You see the makeup. You you see a lot of good things. At the same time, how many of those kinds of guys don't even look like Quinn Priester does right now? We're talking about somebody that you have a very, very, very high chance of being a rotation piece for you for a good amount of time, you know, and and I think that's extremely, extremely valuable. And that's why he's 63 and which is a good spot, but I don't know if he's quite as high as we've seen him in some other rankings because the ceiling I think is more limited for us than maybe some others see it. And and I think by the end of the year, next year, you're looking at a pirates rotation that is much, much, much more fun than it currently is because (laughs) you've got, you've got guys that thrive at the top of the zone in Rowanzi Contreras and Mike Burroughs. You've got guys that are starting to thrive at the bottom of the zone in Quinn Priester and Mitch Keller, this new look Mitch Keller. So, uh, yeah, I think that there are going to be more intriguing starts for the Pirates than you would expect next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. 62. I mean, man, Royce Lewis looked so, so, so good before going down, which made it just that much more heart-wrenching. Shortstop prospect with the Minnesota Twins, who looked like a, a rookie of the year potential favorite with the way he came out of the gate in those 12 games in the big leagues coming off of an ACL injury tears his ACL again after 46 games between the two levels. We were hearing a ton of buzz about how good he looked in spring training. We see him play 34 games in triple where he hits 313, 405, 534 with five homers and 12 stolen bases goes to the big leagues, 12 games, homers twice hitting 300 with an OPS over 860 or 870 and then goes down devastating he had a 0.5 f4 in 12 games like this guy was on his way to being a rookie of the year candidate and goes down with the injury we we have to keep him in the top 100 because of what he showed i mean he looked like he was finally reaching that ceiling that we've been talking about for so long second acl is concerning um but he's just too gifted and still 23 man like it's it's unbelievable just sucks (laughs) that's all i gotta say like it just sucks um and I would, I would have hoped that he would be graduated at this point, but he's not because he keeps on getting hurt. It sucks because he's got a ton of talent. So 
uh, here's to hoping for a, a great recovery and here's to hoping to, you know, kind of a true rookie season in earnest in 2023. And I think he put it all together, really. And like, I think he really did. I, I loved the swing adjustments that we saw. He yeah. looked like a totally different hitter, quieted things down, still had the same amount of power. He eliminated a leg kick and popped a 113 mile per hour exit velo, like or 114, excuse me, with a 90th percentile of 107.9. Best in the org, right? Like that, that that's insane power. That's borderline plus plus raw power, which is crazy from his frame. So even if the athleticism dissipates, I think we could still see a guy that, you know, maybe doesn't move as well but still is able to mash. And, and that's why he's a top 100 guy. Uh, just for reference on his cards, I'm not recommending you invest in a guy who's had two ACL tears. Yeah. But I, I thought the market was interesting. It went up a ton, obviously, when he was looking really good. Right. And now it's really cheap. So if you do believe in the bat, I, I, a 10 out of 10 pristine, which is super rare, uh, Bowman Chrome Auto has went for $150. Like you can oh, wow. really scoop up some dirt cheap cards for Lewis, who I still think has superstar ability. I mean, you can get his Bowman Chrome Autos for around – 30, 40 bucks. Uh, I'm not recommending it again. I'm just letting you know what the price is there on eBay. Yeah. And uh, the other thing about Lewis, like I think the big thing that changed between this point last year and this point this year is last year, like you were still concerned about some things when he was healthy and on the field. Yes. Now there, there's nothing that I'm concerned about it's when he's healthy health. and on the field. It's all I, th- That's a great point. It was like, okay, his swing is loud and there's a lot of moving parts and I don't know if it's all going to work. And he's hurt a lot. Now it's yeah. like he fixed that. He's just hurt a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I, that does help a lot. I, that is a great point. Um, 61, Jackson Merrill. And this is going to be one of the biggest risers I think you're going to see over the next year. This is a guy that I think is going to develop into one of the better prospects in baseball. I love what I've seen from Jackson Merrill. Short sample size. He was a little banged up this year. He had big time helium. Wasn't even much of a, a prospect when the Padres took him in the second or was in the second. No, first round. Excuse me. I got to fix round. that. Got to fix that underslot guy. Um, and they used the savings to go get James Wood with that 60 second pick. So I got to update that over in the write up. Uh, but he had helium hit a growth spurt in his senior year of high school, started tapping into more power, but he's an above average hitter, could end up developing into a plus hitter. I didn't give him the plus hit tool yet because I want to see a little bit more above the low A level. But you can't really deny the numbers in low A. The contact rates were phenomenal. He's 6'3, 170 with more room to fill out already showing higher exit velos than we would have expected. Popped a 108 this year. He might have even popped a couple 109s in uh, a little – actually, a 110, excuse me, uh, max exit velo, which is pretty impressive for a 19-year-old with way more room to fill out. I think there's plus power to dream on here, which nobody expected when he was drafted. Above average field to hit, plus power, staying power at shortstop. I'm in. It's going to be crazy when the Padres trade him to rent Ian Happ next year. <laughs> <laughs> that's the th- that's the thing i was wondering if he was going to be included in those in those trade talks and i think the nationals didn't know what how good merrill is just yet and, and i think that's something that they might kick themselves a little bit on was not not picking up jackson merrill in that in that Kidding? trade you i mean it was what it was gore abrams hassel wood susana yeah, screw Susana. Give me Merrill too. It's hard to get better than I, that. I wonder if the Padres said you're not, you're not getting Merrill if you're getting all those guys. That's Fine, probably. we'll get everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So the Padres, this is like the one one of the few guys they were able to hold on to. Um, he doesn't have quite as much uh, hype as as some of the other prospects in this range. But I'm telling you, this is a shortstop with with legit power potential uh, that already has a really good field to hit. Small sample size, but in those 45 or 54 games, 89.1% zone contact. 
And again, I can't emphasize enough how much better the exit velos were than people thought they would be. Really exciting to see that. Yeah, 100%, man. Bowman Chrome Auto, he doesn't have an auto. Very unfortunate. His base card, though, is Bowman Chrome first on eBay, $1.25. Ooh. Pick him up, get him graded when he's a top 50 prospect, which I think he will be by the end of – by the midseason update, I think he's a top 40, top 40, top 50 prospect in baseball next year. Love that. That'll do it. What did we do here? We did an hour 18. Okay. Yeah, we'll get better. No, we won't. Survive in advance. Survive in advance. We got, we got what, three more episodes to go as yeah. we get through this top 100. Hope you enjoyed it. If you could leave a rating, would love for you to help us grow this show. Again, links in the description to check out the top 100 prospect list. Uh, if you're on YouTube and want the audio version, check out our prospect podcast, The Call Up, which is what this is, but just on the audio version on all podcast platforms. Thank you as always. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great weekend and we will talk to you on Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.